Our second lesson this morning is from John's Gospel, the second chapter, and the first 11 verses. It's on page 87 in your pew Bible, if you would turn and follow with me while I read this aloud. This is the wedding at Cana, and a very uh, interesting story that is told in Scripture, and one that I hope has some meaning for us today. Listen now for God's Word. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his his disciples had also been invited to the wedding, and when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water, and they filled them to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take to the chief steward. So they did. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, even though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everybody serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine to the last. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for it. Two weeks ago, I introduced the idea of liminal space and First Presbyterian Church, indicating that I thought that we are in the midst of liminal space. Liminal space means transition, that time between your engagement and your marriage, that time between the surgeon beginning surgery and the surgeon coming out and telling you the results of the surgery. That time between when you finished one job and you took another job. In architectural terms, liminal space is about transition. It's the space from where we've come and helps us get to where we're going. For example, the hallway out here is liminal space from the parking lot to the sanctuary. The stairwells are liminal space to go from first floor to second floor. The issue is liminal space helps us to remember where we came from and where we're headed to. At First Church, we are in liminal space, which is between the election of Amy Starr Redwine as pastor and head of staff on January the 6th and her beginning date of February the 6th, one month. And so we now stand in this hallway, quote, quote, as we know where we've come from and look forward to where we're headed. So over the next three weeks, I want to explore a little bit about what liminal space may have to say for us in this congregation as we await the arrival of Amy as pastor and also the era of a new ministry. Today we look at John 2, the wedding at Cana, to see if it might give us some clues. We're told that the turning of the water into wine was the first of seven signs that Jesus did in the Gospel of John. Now, another word for sign is miracle. 
So this is the first of seven miracles he performed in the Gospel of John. But the focus is not on the specific miracle of the water instantly becoming wine. The focus instead is on who Jesus is. And the focus of the sign is to give a picture of a revelation of who Christ is, what Christ is about, what Christ's ministry is to be for all of us, of who he is and what he's going to do. Now, in Palestine, weddings are week-long festivities in this day and time. Those of you that have been through a wedding and could barely get through the one day, just imagine if you had to host people for seven days. And the deal was that the host... The the groom, rather, had to make sure all good food and all good drink was available for all seven days, for hospitality was the big issue in the Middle East. All was to run well, or else it would look very negative upon the groom's family. Now, we have no idea how many people were in attendance at this wedding. We're told that the mother of Jesus was there. Interesting, if you look at it closely, it never calls her by name. She's just the mother of Jesus. And Jesus and his disciples were there as well. But there appears in the wedding festivities a crisis occurring. They had run out of wine. And because hospitality was so important, Mary, quote, mother of Jesus, goes to Jesus and makes this declaration. They have no wine. Now, I think the declaration is kind of amusing. It reminds me of a helicopter parent. A helicopter parent who goes and says something to their child, that's a statement of fact, but loaded into that statement of fact is a command or a demand to do something or fix something. Like a parent saying to their child, your laundry is all finished and it's on the stairwell. Or your cousin made the A honor roll this term. They're supposed to do something about that, but it's just a statement of fact. Or spouses. One spouse says to the other, honey, the light bulb is out in the hallway. The car needs to be inspected this month. The mortgage is due today. All just statements of fact. But loaded in with them is a command to do something, fix it, or to make it right. Now, Jesus' response to his mother was interesting. He didn't call her mom. He said, woman, what does this concern me or you? Now, Jesus was a grown man, 30 years old. I can't imagine back talking to my mama saying something like that because it would not have gone well for me at age 30 or 40 or 50. But they had something going on that was more important than just the words. They knew there was a bigger issue at stake. And Jesus says, my hour has not come. And Mary says to the servants, do as he tells you. So Jesus calls to them and says, see those six jars over there? There were jars that were used for the Jewish rites of purification. And each jar had 20 or 30 gallons of water in it. He said, go fill them with the water. Now, the rites of purification was a very practical kind of thing because They had no paved roads in Palestine. They had no cars. So you walked or rode a donkey. You had sandals on. And you get to this big festival and big feast and big activity. And you're covered in dust. So the host, being good host, provide these jars of water so you can kind of clean up. Look a little better. Kind of spruce up before the big wedding. Jesus turns these six jars of water 
into wine, 180 gallons. Now I said to the early service, I'm sure total wine has more than that, but that's a lot of wine when you think about it. People were also shocked that it was the good, very good wine at the end of the wedding. Because usually they give the good wine first, the scripture says, so people get good and drunk, and then they don't care what they drink. But this sign revealed the glory of Jesus. It was about who Jesus is. It was about his mission. It was about his purpose. It was not about 180 gallons of wine. And so we need to read this story differently than just the miracle occurred. It's telling us what Jesus was about to do. So let's listen for it. What does this story have to say to us about our liminal space? First of all, the response of Jesus to begin with, I think is very appropriate for us to consider. Woman, what concern is this of me? I think it's a very appropriate question for First Church. What concern is it to you that a new pastor is coming and that a new era in this congregation is about to start? Why should you worry or be concerned about that? In some of our smaller congregations, and maybe in larger ones too, there's usually a matriarch or patriarch. And especially when a young pastor comes, more times boy, men than women, they get out of sorts with the matriarch or patriarch. And then the patriarch or matriarch has a come to Jesus meeting with the young pastor and says, my friend, I was here long before you came and I'll be here long after you're here. Pastors come and go, but I'm going to be here. Well, for this patriarch, he felt the need to tell the pastor that pastors come and go. It's not really a concern to me because it's just going to be a different one each time. And I think for many of us, that's probably the case. We can take church or we can leave church. We have a new pastor coming. We get all revved up, we welcome her well, and then fall back into our old routines and patterns at First Church. But I think that a new pastor coming and a new era in ministry is very important. You've had three years between pastorates. The time is now to determine where are we going in the future. How are we going to be involved in the life of this church and with this new pastor relationship with Amy Starr Redwine? It's a time to contemplate what difference is this going to make in your life? How will Amy's arrival concern you? What do you need to change? How do you need to be different? How are you going to exercise the gifts that God has given to you? It really is a time of personal reflection personal commitment and personal recommitment that you and your family will take seriously membership in this congregation as well as your relationship with God. In this story, Jesus took it very seriously and made quite a difference. It was a concern for him and I think it's a concern for us as well. Secondly, the six jars of water were for the Jewish rites of purification, as I've mentioned before. Part of Jesus' revelation is that he takes something that's a common practice and gives it a new experience. The jars of wine became great abundance, so much that they couldn't all be consumed. 
Part of what Jesus does in our lives is he transforms us from what we've been to what we can become. He takes what's ordinary and makes it extraordinary. Now, I kind of visualize the congregation as these six jars of water sitting over there against the wall, kind of watching the activities going on in this wedding, wondering who came with whom, wondering how people were dressed, wondering what was going to happen next in the service, simply spectators watching. And yet when Jesus finished with them, they were transformed. They became a whole new creation. They had taken on a whole new life and were very good wine. And it happens not because of stuff we do. It happens because of Jesus in our lives. So one of the issues facing us in this liminal space and in the future is how open are we for Jesus to become real in our own personal lives and our own personal faith? How much are we open to seeing new ways of ministry and new ways in which we can be faithful? How hard are we going to hold on to the past? And how much concern are we that those jars stay full of water like they've always stayed full of water? Now, I've joked with you before about some traditions and practices and people in this congregation that are so sacrosanct that they're almost biblical. Well, I just want to allay any concerns you've got because every church is like that. Every church has got traditions and practices and every church has got people that are just kind of holy holies. For example, the young married couple Sunday school class in some churches is still called the young married Sunday school class in their 60s, even though they've been married 40 years. Or we never allow wine to be served in the church, either in the fellowship hall or even in communion. Or we always say the Apostles' Creed every Sunday regardless. And we've got another number of confessions in our book of confessions that are very rich. Or what about this notion of having communion every other month? It's kind of intriguing to me that that's all it is here. Yes, we've got to make a decision of whether we're going to be Presbyterian, as is oftentimes termed God's frozen chosen, or if we're going to be receptive to Jesus Christ touching our hearts and our lives and opening our eyes and kindling a new spirit within us. With Jesus, we will become good wine as we allow his transforming power to enter our hearts and lives and open us up to new possibilities. Are you going to be frozen or are you going to be free-flowing? What concern is this new pastor to you, personally and spiritually, and this new era of ministry? How open are you for Jesus Christ to be in in your heart and your mind and to open you to new ways of responses. But finally, this story is about a wedding. It's about a festivity. It's about an exciting time in the life of a bride and a groom, as well as that whole village that participated in it. Now, let's be real clear. You're not going to marry Amy and Derek and three kids. That's not going to happen. But at her installation this spring, she's going to make some promises to you And you are going to be called to make some promises to her. Do we, the members of First Presbyterian Church, accept Amy as our pastor, 
chosen by God to the voice of this congregation to guide us in the way of Jesus Christ. Do we? Do we agree to pray for her, to encourage her, to respect her decisions, and to follow as she guides us serving Jesus Christ who alone is head of the church? Do we? And finally, do we promise to pay her fairly and provide for her welfare as she works among us, to stand by her in trouble and to share her joys? Will we listen to the words she preaches, welcome her pastoral care and authority as she seeks to honor and obey Jesus Christ? These are some rather large promises that you will make and that she will make. It's not a marriage, but it's a very deep commitment to each other as pastor and people. Far deeper than we just hired a new staff member who happens also to be the pastor. And all three of these questions are efforts to see how Jesus Christ can be honored and can be served. With all due respect, it's not about Amy. And with all due respect, it's not about you. It's about a higher calling in which the church is willing to be God's people in a new way. It is sacred. It is holy. It is God at work in and through every one of us. And in conjunction with this relationship is a time for a celebration, a party, a festivity, a time to be exceedingly glad to see what God will reveal in our lives and in this community. So let's celebrate what's about to happen and allow the Holy Spirit to be in the spotlight, not us. So your homework during this liminal space time in the next several weeks What concern is it to you that a new pastor is coming with her family and with her ministry? Secondly, are you willing to be open to God's spirit and to Jesus touching your life to see how you might be responsive to what God is calling you to be? And finally, are you willing to make a commitment, a commitment to God, to the church, and to this new pastor and future together. I think it's a lot to contemplate. It's a lot to pray about. But it's also a lot of opportunities to see what God is going to do in this place and through each and every one of us. A lot of ways to grow in our faith deeper, more faithful, closer to God Almighty. My prayer is that it will be so. And whatever happens will give glory and praise to God Almighty for God giving you this incredible gift in your life. Amen.